Good morning. Correct. Yeah. So keep practicing that. Um, I should apologise for my outfit, maybe. Maybe I should have told you to bring your sunglasses. I must confess, this wasn't the outfit I had planned this morning. Can we just have the welcome um, with the flame on? Um, Tracy did comment, was I dressed for the occasion, as it was Pentecost Sunday? I must confess, that had nothing to do with it either. I just looked out the window and I saw the sun, and my black and white ensemble just didn't seem right. So panic, what do I wear? And then I'd almost forgotten that I'd bought this outfit. Does anybody have outfits in their wardrobes like this? And then I looked at it when I got it home and I thought, it looks like I'm wearing pyjamas. <laughs> so no comments, please, else my self-esteem will probably just hit the floor. Um, but self-image is a bit of what I want to talk about this morning. Um, but before I do, I just want to play, uh, or we'll play a video, uh, a song which has become very popular of late in the regular charts, um, but the message behind it is so strong, and I think it fits in well with what we're going to look at this morning. Thank you, Dave.
Isn't that inspirational? It makes me, particularly um, when I see that version of it, it, it always brings um, a tear to my eye. And um, there's a line in there that said, there's nothing I'm not worthy of. There isn't anything we are not worthy of in Christ because we don't have to be worthy um, to gain his grace, to earn his grace. We don't even have to earn it. So I want you to think about that as we um, look at the word this morning. And we're carrying on with the, the theme of God is. And we're looking at God is bigger than or greater than. He's beyond perfection. And I want to look at that when, uh, from his standpoint when he's looking at us. But I also want to look at what we think when other people look at us. Um, and there's a quote from a man called Adam Osborne. Ring any bells with anybody? You might, when I show you a picture, some might recognise it or recognise his name. But he said the most valuable thing you can make is a mistake because you can't learn anything from being perfect. Yeah? You can't learn... The most valuable thing you can make is a mistake because you can't learn anything from being perfect. And that was written by Adam Osborne. Anybody recognise that? Look closely, look really close. Whoops, a daisy, it's gone back. That is the first portable computer. Not one of these, but that was the first laptop ever invented. And Mr. Osborne invented it. He built it so it would go underneath the seat of an airport, uh, the seat of a, a, a underneath an airport, airport, airport. Airplane seat fit underneath. If you look really, really closely, there are two disk drives, one on the left and one on the right. I remember those days, although the disks I had when I started in computing were like that. I had to put one in to start the thing up, and that took forever, and I had to put another disk in to store what I wanted to keep. And that's my first memories of computers. But he invented that, he died in 2003, so he was quite recent, but he was a Thailand-born British-American, what a combination, author. He wrote books, he was a software publisher, computer designer, and he founded several companies in the US. And he is best known for introducing what he called the Osborne One. So that was the first commercially successful portable computer. Now, he had a lot of experience, that gave him credibility, and he created this Osborne Computer Corporation. And there were adverts at the time that, that compared him with Henry Ford. 
So they think he did for computing what Henry Ford did for cars. But then he started bragging about his next version, the Osborne 2, I guess, and the Osborne 3 as well. And he started talking about this machine, and of course people got, began to hear in it, as you do now, you get an iPhone 6 and the 7 comes out, and as soon as you buy a 7, an 8 comes out, 9, and probably on 10 now. So as soon as you get one, another one comes out, and you think, oh, I should have waited. That's the one I want. I want all those new things. And so he started bragging about this new computer he was going to make, and people lost interest in the Osborne one, and he went bankrupt because nobody, they stopped buying his Osborne one. Um, that's one story. Uh, another story is that um, he didn't look after his money very well and management issues and um, not enough cash flow. But it failed. However, he wrote an autobiography on the whole thing and it was his best-selling book. So he made a mistake. He learned from it, and he wrote about it, and got back on his feet again. So that's why he said the most valuable thing you can make is a mistake, because you can't learn anything from being perfect. Anybody hit the send button on an email too soon? Yeah? I'm meant to put an attachment on. Forgot to do that. Anybody done reply all, and then forgot to check who was in the original email trail? Yeah? All been there, done that, yeah? We're not perfect, are we? Thank God for message recall, although that doesn't always work, does it, I found. So, what does it mean to be perfect? I'm going to look at the adjective, which is how people look at us. So the word perfect means not lacking or faulty in any particular way. That is to say, absolutely flawless. Now, there's a few images on that screen. Unfortunately, that one hasn't come out too well in that top left-hand corner, but it is a person. Not male nor female, it's just a person. So the big questions are... Let me just try and read some of those out to you. Look at the one in the top right-hand corner. Reflections in this mirror may be distorted by socially constructed ideas of beauty. How profound is that? I'll read that again, in case you can't see it. Reflections in this mirror may be distorted by socially constructed ideas of beauty. What do you see when you look in that mirror? Do you see what you want to see, or what you'd like to see? What you think other people think of you? That's what it means. Your vision of you might be distorted by what's going on around you, what's going on in the media, your environment that you're in. The ones in the middle, can anybody guess why I've put those there? Senses. Senses is a good one. Things we don't like about ourselves. Yeah, don't like our ears, they stick out too pointed, nose is too big, too small, lips too fat, too thin, yeah? And there's things on the media all the time about what can go wrong when we start trying to change the image. And there's sometimes good reason, isn't there? You know, somebody's had an accident or whatever, 
and there's a reason for restructuring that image. But sometimes we like to change it because we're just not comfortable with the skin that we're in. What makes us feel like that? I want you to think about that this morning. It says there, I am more than my appearance. And we are. We are definitely more than our appearance. There's a lot more going on inside than there is on the outside. And it's what's inside, to coin a phrase, that matters. That's what God can use. Your heart, your soul, your spirit, your personality. All those things are so much more important than how you appear to yourself and other people. And there's another one there. Self-worth is not determined by the number on the scales. Do you weigh yourself every day? Every week? Every other day? When you've had that big meal? When you've had that extra slice of cake? When you're feeling a little bit guilty? Or a little bit... The trousers don't fit. The jacket doesn't fit. Do we get on the scales and think, mm, I don't like that? Um, and I went through that, well, I, I must admit, I do check my weight on a regular basis. I go to the gym, I try and keep up with that. Um, but there was a time when I, I looked in a photograph a few years back and I thought, am I really that big? And I know I was comfort eating a lot. I'd get home, get the pasta out, packet sauce, chuck it in, wodge, eat that. I was too busy, too tired. It was the easiest thing to do. And ultimately, it doesn't matter how much you weigh, because you can be very small and heavy, you can be very tall and light. We're all different, aren't we? Our makeup is completely different. And if I was to follow the slimming world gauge, I should be nine and a half stone. There's no way I'm ever going to be nine and a half stone. And I don't think I want to either. And what's a 12 nowadays? Could be a 14 in Topshop and a 16 that fits you somewhere else. You can't say, what is size today? And I also looked up about um, some personality tests. Has anybody... Don't see them so much in the magazines anymore, but has anybody filled out one of those personality tests? What kind of friend are you? Yeah? Um, what are you good at? What's your strongest point? All about you and your personality. Has anybody done it? Yeah? Do you, answer the on do you honestly answer the questions, or do you look at it and think, oh, I wonder if it says, I'm a really nice person if I answer yes to that one, where I think, really, I'm a number two on that question. I know I'm a perfectionist. I will spend a long time on a few lines of an email before I send it, far too long. Um, I was trained as a typist many moons ago, so when I do things like this, I'll check it and recheck it, if, even though nobody else is going to see it. All the commas and the dots and everything else has to be in the right place. Um, and I did a, an online test, and there's ones where, what colour are you? Are you purple? Are you a red? Are you an orange? And there was one about, what kind of animal are you? And I'd like to think I was an owl-wise. Um, 
No offence to dog lovers, I, I'm perfectly happy with dog, but I came out as a dog. So I don't want you to get hung up on, the, hung up on those things, but that's what's just out there, and those are the things that can affect us. I did do one on, uh, which was more work-related about what kind of leader might I be, and it put perfectionist under composure because it talked about your self-control, your character, your outlook on life. Um, and it says, perfectionists are likely to exert a lot of control over themselves and the world around them. That's probably why I'm a project manager. I'm a control freak. It has to go according to plan. It doesn't always, but I am a control freak. Fo they focus on even the smallest uh, detail. I want everything to be just right. This is great, a great attitude to have, but if it's taken to the extreme, it can lead to some distress. And it does. I'll spend hours doing stuff and then stay up late because I want it just to be just right. And yes, I end up getting stressed. So I want to talk about what we should be striving for, and it's not perfectionism. It's something else, but we'll have a look at that in a moment. So I want to, us to consider how does God see the physical me? I want to talk about the physical appearance first of all. How does God see the physical me? Well, of course, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we're valuable, extremely valuable to God, just as we are, because he made us. We are his creation. It says he breathed into our nostrils in Genesis. He wove us together in our mother's womb. He knows the number of hairs on our head, or not, as the case may be. Before a word is on our tongue, he knows it. It says we are more valuable than many sparrows. He has given us dominion over sheep, oxen, and all the beasts of the field. What would the world have been like if it had done that differently? And there's lots of films out there at the moment about animals, beasts, being in control. That's not the way God intended it to be. He's given us dominion over those things. And the very pinnacle, the very final act of his six days of creation was he created us. And of course, above all, he gave his son as a sacrifice. So we are valuable to him. I like um, the amplified version of John 3:16. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized, I like that word, he dearly prized the world, the world, saved, unsaved, the world, that he even gave up his only begotten and unique son, so that whoever believes trusts in him, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish. That it means come to destruction or be lost, so we will never be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. So that's how God looks at us in the physical sense. How does God look at us in Christ? But we need to make it clear, and some of that's what I'm going to say now has come out already. In our natural, physical state, 
we are enemies of God. It says that in Romans 5. From the very beginning, we exchanged the truth about God for a lie, he says in Romans 1.25. We worshipped and served created things rather than him, the creator. Romans 3 verse 23 is a very familiar verse. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We've turned aside from him as a world. I want to just tell you a little story. A powerful king is sitting on his throne, judging the people. Guards attend to him, commoners wait in line for an audience with him. And then suddenly, the doors of the throne room burst open. Heads turn. Who dare interrupt the king? Everyone gasps. And there's two little boys standing at the entrance. One is clean, but one is covered in mud, looking very dishevelled and crying. With boldness, brazen boldness, the unsullied boy lugs the other one down the red carpet. The clean boy, pristine looking boy, sort of drags the dirty looking boy down the carpet, down the red carpet towards the throne. The guards got their swords ready, waiting for the nod from the king to step in on this intrusion. But the king holds up his hand and his face softens into a smile. The first little boy stops at the king's knee and pulls his buddy beside him under his arms. And he says, Dad, this is my friend. He's scared and he's hurt. I told him you could help. The king opens his arms to embellish both the boys, not caring that mud is smeared on his royal robes. And he looks into the frightened eyes of the muddy little wife and says, any friend of my son's is welcome here. How can I help you? That's our God. That's our Jesus. But we cannot come to God in our own merit. We need to be escorted by his son Jesus. But when we come to Christ as broken sinners, he doesn't see those imperfections. He doesn't see the sin because he sees the righteousness of his own son, it says in Romans 5. So the first thing that God sees in us when we're in Christ, when we've recognized that we need him in our lives, he sees our righteousness because we are covered in the righteousness of Jesus. We're born again. He sees that we're born again. It's not a phrase that you hear very often, but it's in the Bible in 1 Peter 1, 3. The old life is gone, it's erased. And I like this verse, it says, Blessed, gratefully, praised and adored be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant and boundless mercy has caused us to be born again, that is, to be reborn from above. We don't physically change on the outside, it's what's inside that changes. Spiritually transformed, renewed and set apart for his purpose, to an ever-living hope and confident assurance through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And um, Irina looked at this uh, a few weeks ago, that we're dead to sin, 
Sin doesn't have the last word, and we've heard it this morning, grace does. Sin doesn't have to be our master anymore, but we have to choose that. God doesn't see it, but we make that choice every day, whether we're going to fall a little or not. And we will stumble. But this is a choice that we can make. And finally, well not finally, but last point I want to make on this slide is that we are his ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. So I want to think about what we should be doing. If we can't gain perfection, and perfection can last for a moment, you know, you see the athletes and they train and they train and they train and they train for years and years and years. And that may just be for, you know, the Olympics in four years' time. And they spend all that time training. And they do fantastic things, fantastic timings in training. And then on the day, it just falls apart. Joshua did his recent boxing match, didn't he? I'm not into boxing. But what a shock that was. Everybody assumed he'd retain his titles. And something went wrong on that day. He wasn't on form and he didn't win the match. So we can't be perfect all of the time. We might have moments. We aim for that perfect catch. If you're a fisherman or fisherwoman, you might go for the perfect wave if you're a surfer. You might aim to bake, bake that perfect cake, Tracy, ready for the bake-off. And then on the day, you practice it, you practice it, time and time again, it comes out perfect. You hear them say it so many times on Bake Off. I did it yesterday and it was perfect. And then on the day when it mattered, it went all apart. So we can't be perfect all of the time, but we can strive for excellence in all that we do for Christ. That's what he wants us to do, is to strive for excellence. To be brave. That's what we've been thinking about, haven't we, so far this year. It's about our earnestness and our courage to be brave in living the life that Christ has given us to live. That's what determines our excellence. And that's the measure. Not how thin we are, how slim we are, how good looking we are, how pretty we are. It's all about striving for excellence in Christ. We've been hearing this morning, I'm almost finished, we've been hearing this morning about the Holy Spirit and Pentecost Sunday. We've been born again, but there's another transformation coming. And we've been singing about it this morning as well. There's a transformation coming, and that's when Christ comes again to take us to be with him we have a glorious future folks because we're citizens of heaven as we seek him and more of his glory he's constantly transforming us into the image of his son and one day we will be changed it says in a moment in a twinkling of an eye when that last trumpet sounds it talks about in 1 corinthians when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. This old body will go. 
We don't know what we'll look like, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before. I don't think it's about our physical features. I think it's about the spirit within us. It's the spiritual recognition, I think, because none of us know what we're going to quite look like. But that doesn't matter, because it says we're going to be like him. It says, and I've mentioned this before, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Death shall be no more. There should be no mourning or crying or pain, it says in Revelation. We can enter into his rest. There'll be a spring of life that we don't have to worry about paying for. And he's going to feast us on rich food and well-aged wine. That's what it says. It's going to be one mighty banquet. We know how to serve food here, don't we? But it's not going to be a match for that banquet when we're with him. So I want you to consider what we've been looking at this morning. And what was coming through to me as I was doing my research was about self-worth. What value would you put on your life? As I've said, it's, there is no value because to Christ, we are invaluable. But do you have a feeling of, or a lack of self-worth. Like the video I said at the start, this is me. And there's a theme running in that film, if you've seen The Greatest Showman, about a group of people, people that don't fit into the norm. They don't look like most people expected them to look at that time. Do you feel a bit of a misfit? Do you feel that you don't fit? because of that image that you have, or you think that people have, or the image that people have put upon you from times past. I want you to remember that you are kings and priests in Christ's kingdom, that you're invaluable. We've heard a lot about Christ being the saviour this morning. Are you sure, are you not sure about your position in Christ? And with there's been a lot of the Holy Spirit evidence this morning as well. Is that something that you're not familiar with and not sure about? It's nothing to be afraid of. It's something to grasp and take hold of because that's what gives us the power to be his ambassadors and to be brave as we've been studying. So I want to give some time to ministry this morning. I know it's a difficult subject to talk about yourself, particularly if you don't feel comfortable in doing that or comfortable with yourself. But I really feel that God wants to touch hearts and minds this morning to recognize, so you can recognize who you are in Christ, that you are worthy, not because of anything we've done, but because of the grace of God that he's bestowed upon us. So perhaps the band can come and just play in the background. And I do want to give time for ministry. So let's just stay seated for the moment. And can we all close our eyes, please?
we want to pray for you this morning. If anything that you said or heard has touched something within your heart, has it stirred an emotion, a feeling that you'd rather not feel or rather not be reminded about? If that's what you're feeling this morning, while every eye is closed, can you just raise your hand so I can see and we can consider and we can pray for you? Nothing to be ashamed of. We're in the family of God this morning. I can see that, thank you. This is the kind of church, yes, thank you. This is the kind of church that we know we can be ourselves. We can be me. We don't have to be anybody else. Yeah, thank you. I see that hand as well. Is there anybody here that doesn't understand the Holy Spirit? We're not going to pray for you to speak in tongues necessarily if that's not what you want. But on this day of Pentecost, thank you. Yes, thank you. On this day of Pentecost, it's a free gift. If anybody would like to be prayed for, that's what we're here for this morning. And the most important one of all, if you feel any doubt in your mind about your salvation, we want to pray with you as well this morning so you can live in the freedom that Christ gives us. Is there anybody that would like prayer for that this morning? Okay, a few hands have gone up there. We don't want to embarrass anybody. If we could just all stand as we come and consider what God wants to do in our hearts and minds. And as the band plays, if you put your hand up for any of those things or you didn't and you wish you did, again, while all eyes are closed, I will pray here, but we'd like to pray with you personally as well. If you did put your hand up, I'd like to encourage you to go to the back on the extension there where the soft seats are and folk will make their way with you and pray with you. Perhaps a couple of prayers could go there now. Chris, if you could, for us. Irina. And then people might feel a bit more comfortable. Pete will be there as well. Perhaps John would be. Matt's at the back as well. So just feel free to walk over there while the rest of us carry on worshipping God. But I will just pray before we hand over back to Tracy. Father, we come before you this morning, not defeated, Lord. We thank you, Lord, amongst anywhere else, amongst anybody else, Lord, we can be ourselves. We can be me because you created us, Lord. You formed us, every hair on our head. You know everything about us, Lord. There is nothing hidden from you. Help us to embrace that this morning. Help us to know, 
what we're worth, Lord. Our value in you is invaluable, Lord. Give us the strength, Father, to claim that this morning. And Lord, we want to be overflowing with your spirit this morning, Lord. We want the power that the disciples had in Acts 2, Lord, to go and spread the gospel, to spread the love that you have shown us, Lord. And help us, Lord, to be obedient and be ready. And for those, Lord, that may need to recognize you as their own personal saviour this morning, we pray, Lord, that you'll give everyone the courage this morning to make that move, Lord, to be brave, to say, yes, I need that prayer. So we submit our lives to you this morning. Lord, if anybody has to go, we pray that you will go with them. But for those that want to stay, Lord, and just dwell in your presence that little bit longer, Lord, let us take every moment that we can to be with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.